Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, Alta Marie Braun. But first, your true crime headlines. The mother and father of a two-year-old found dead in a St. Paul, Minnesota residence Sunday have been arrested on suspicion of the girl's murder. It was the city's first homicide of 2021. According to authorities, the child's father, 42-year-old John Vang, called the police department's non-emergency number early Sunday morning and said something about needing a crisis officer before hanging up. Police attempted to call back, but received no answer, so they sent officers to the location. Police arrived to the Dayton's Bluff residence at about 2.30 a.m. That's when the father told them that his daughter was on the back porch. Officers found two-year-old Melody Vang unconscious and unresponsive. Paramedics pronounced her dead at the scene. Melody Vang had spent most of her two years in foster care before being returned to her parents' custody last year. Five other children in the home, ranging in age from nine months to 11 years, have been placed in child protection services. The girl's mother, Siashia Lee, told police that she lost her temper when Melody, quote, kept crying, waking her infant. So she, quote, kept hitting her. The Ramsey County Medical Examiner determined that the two-year-old died of closed head trauma due to assault. After being questioned, investigators booked both the father and the mother into the Ramsey County Jail on suspicion of murder. Lee has been charged with second-degree unintentional murder. It is unclear if charges will be filed against Vang. Authorities in Colorado have arrested a man that police believe is a suspect in a case involving the human remains of an adult man that were found in two large suitcases near a trail in southwest Denver. 28-year-old Benjamin David Satterthwaite was arrested Friday on first-degree murder charges. Authorities say that on December 29th, crews were plowing snow from the sidewalk in the residential area of Sanderson Gulch when they discovered the suitcases. Police were then called for an unrelated medical emergency on January 1st to an apartment a few miles away, where they allegedly found evidence and a crime scene consistent with the December 29th homicide case. The office of the medical examiner has not yet confirmed the identity of the remains. Police believe the men knew each other. Satterthwaite is being held without bail. A 17-year-old has been charged with the murder of a wealthy restaurant owner in the UK. According to Sussex Police, 69-year-old Susan Addis was found stabbed to death at her Brighton home on Thursday. Addis was the owner of two highly successful restaurants, Donatello and Pinocchio. Donatello was opened with Addis's husband, Pietro, and they ran it together with their three sons. Friends told police that there was some sort of altercation at the home the day of Addison's death. Police have arrested the 17-year-old but have not revealed his identity. He was charged with murder on Friday 
and is currently in custody. Addis's family issued a statement through their lawyers asking for privacy, saying, quote, At this very sad and distressing time, the family kindly asks that all media respect their privacy. The family are currently in a state of shock. Authorities have not said what the relationship was between the suspect and Addis, who lived alone, but the two did know each other. In Michigan, a Grand Rapids area teacher who was pregnant with her third child was strangled to death by her husband. On November 16th, 32-year-old Amber Guchilar was killed at her home. Her husband, 35-year-old Richard Guchilar, initially told police that he found his wife dead in her bed. On Monday, he was arraigned on the charge of murder in Kentwood District Court. Bond was set at $2 million. Detective Tim Dickraff said in a court filing, quote, the death was declared a homicide by strangulation asphyxiation. Richard was the only other person present in the home at the time frame of the incident that was physically capable of causing the injuries that resulted in Amber's death. The Kentwood School District said, quote, our thoughts and prayers remain with the family as they cope with this tragedy. Guchilar's attorney, Chip Chamberlain, declined to comment. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, Alta Marie Braun. But first, a quick break. This episode of Murder Minute is brought to you by Fight Camp. Do you ever just feel like you want to punch something? After the past week, I bet we all do. Have you ever wanted to learn how to box or kickbox from real fighters? If you're looking for a way to stay active at home, you need Fight Camp. Fight Camp brings the boxing gym right to your home with a mix of cardio and conditioning for a full body workout. Fight Camp is made for beginners to experienced boxers who want to box from home. It comes with all the gear you need, including a freestanding punching bag, boxing gloves, quick hand wraps, and their unique punch tracking sensors that show you real-time progress and stats on any iOS device. The Fight Camp app comes with over 600 workouts and tutorials, and they release 12 new boxing and kickboxing workouts every week, from easy to advanced. Learn from six highly qualified trainers, all with real fight experience, ranging from a pro MMA fighter and mother of two to a kickboxing champion. Fight Camp uses new tech that tracks each punch you throw to measure speed, volume, and output, so you can follow your progress, push yourself, and compete on the community leaderboard. And it's great for kids. Fight Camp is one of the only home workouts that is safe for the whole family, because there are no heavy weights or spinning wheels. Join the Fight Camp community today. Fight Camp offers financing so that you can pay over 24 months and get your new gym now. And Fight Camp offers a 30-day money-back guarantee. Just go to joinfightcamp.com murder. That's right, give Fight Camp a try. And within 30 days, if you don't love it, send it back and get a refund. 
Fight Camp is the new way to work out at home. Make a change and join the community that teaches you the art of boxing while following the most intense workouts that are as quick as 15 minutes. To get free shipping on Fight Camp, just go to joinfightcamp.com slash murder. That's joinfightcamp.com slash murder. Welcome back to Murder Minute. On the morning of Tuesday, August 21st, 1917, in Lamars, Iowa, 74-year-old Anna Porsche noticed something that looked like a dummy laying in an alley between Cedar and Howard Streets near the Illinois Central Railroad tracks. She told her neighbor, Augusta Becker, and at around 11 a.m., Augusta decided to investigate. It was no dummy. There, lying in the alley, was the badly beaten body of a little girl. Her clothing was torn, and candy lay on the ground nearby. Mrs. Becker immediately notified the police, and soon Sheriff Hugh Maxwell and Coroner Albert B. Barnett arrived on the scene. From appearances, the girl had been strangled to death, wrote the Lamar's Sentinel. A black underskirt had been torn from her waist and wrapped in a roll around her throat with a tight knot under her chin. The body was prone on its back with the head towards the north, the arms and legs extended. There were bruises on her arms and side. Her corset had been torn open, her limbs were covered with dust, and marks on the ground in the alley showed where she had struggled with her assailant, or assailants. Marks on her throat indicated where she had been seized in order to silence any outcry for help. Meanwhile, just a few blocks down Cedar Street, in a house at the corner of Tremont, Chris Braun was beginning to panic. Braun lived in the home with his wife, an invalid, Martha Braun, their three-year-old daughter, Verna Braun, and his 12-year-old daughter from a previous marriage, Alta Marie Braun. But when he called Alta to breakfast that morning, she didn't respond. And when he went to her room, she wasn't there, and her bed hadn't been slept in. Chris Braun hoped that Alta had decided to stay the night with her grandparents, who she had visited the previous evening. So he telephoned his father, Jacob. But Alta wasn't there. Then he checked with other family members. Then, friends. But no one had seen Alta since the previous evening. With nowhere else to turn, Chris Braun called the police. This time, he found her. The girl laying in the alley, just a few blocks from home, was identified as 12-year-old Alta Marie Braun. The girl's body was taken to the Beely Undertaking Parlors, 
and an inquest was held. Chris Braun, the father of the girl, stated that she had left home at 7.30 o'clock that night to go to the home of her grandparents, living in the west end of town on High Street, wrote the Lamar's Sentinel, and from there proposed to go to the merry-go-round, which was operating on Main and 7th Street in connection with the Robinson Show. The show was the Yankee Robinson Circus, which had set up a carnival in the business district. Alta and her friends had been excited to ride the merry-go-round. Her father testified that he had given her a dime to get two rides on the merry-go-round and then come home. The Lamar's Sentinel continued. In the afternoon, her mother gave her a quarter, with which she bought some white stockings, which she was wearing when she was killed. She had a nickel tied in her handkerchief when the body was found. Braun said he arrived home himself at a little before eleven and went to bed, supposing the child was at home, as he said she had never failed to return at the hour she promised. Dr. Fetz, who examined Alta, described her condition at the inquest. Her face was swollen and blue, and there were black and blue marks on her throat and arms. She had also been raped. Alta Marie Braun had last been seen between 9.30 and 10 p.m. after she left the circus. As she made her way home, Alta stopped at the Vienna Bakery and bought a five-cent sack of candy. The same candy that would later be found scattered near her body. She tied what was left of her money, a nickel, in her handkerchief and continued home, accompanied for a few blocks by 59-year-old Carolyn Adney. Mrs. Adney lived on Cedar Street, too, between 5th and 4th Streets. They parted ways there, just two blocks from where Alta's body would later be found. The supposition is that she was waylaid on the track and dragged into the alley, which is dark at that point, wrote the Lamar's Sentinel. The streets to the north and south of the Cedar Street crossing are well-lighted. It is stated that S.B. Tingley, who lives near the track on that street, was awakened by a noise. He and his wife had retired. They thought it was someone running past the window. They heard no outcry. The coroner's jury issued a verdict that Alta Marie Braun was strangled by a, quote, person or persons unknown. Whereas we believe the sentiment of the county is that every possible means should be used to secure the arrest and conviction of the guilty party or parties, said the Plymouth County Supervisors in the Lamar Sentinel, the county will pay the sum of $500 to any person or persons securing the arrest and conviction of the said guilty party. $500 in 1917 was equivalent to roughly $10,000 today. Lamar's police 
initially suspected that the murder was committed by an employee of the Yankee Robinson Circus. Sheriff Maxwell went to Cherokee, where the circus had made its next stop. On Wednesday, he followed it to Correctionville and continued his inquiries. Back in Lamar's, a local man, Elmer Pearson, reported to Mayor George W. McLean that he overheard a young black employee remark near the merry-go-round that he would, quote, get that girl before he left town. Pearson did not know if the remark was made about Alta. The Lamar's Sentinel wrote, quote, Investigations pursued by the sheriff and police force in the murder case have not so far produced any results. Sheriff Maxwell, following the theory that the crime was the deed of a Negro roustabout connected with the Yankee Robinson Circus, after going to Cherokee on Tuesday and rounding up a number of circus employees, went to Correctionville on Wednesday trailing the outfit. On Thursday, notification was received by the authorities here from the sheriff of Carroll County that he had arrested a Negro at that place and was holding him for investigation. The Negro on examination said that his name is Edward Nelson and readily admitted that he had been employed with the Yankee Robinson Circus, but had left the show and said he did not know the name of the town where he was when he quit the job. He protested his innocence of the crime. Nelson was found washing his clothes at the river near Carroll and was arrested by a Northwestern Railroad detective. It was stated the man was washing blood off his overalls, but this statement was later denied by the authorities, and the man's statement that he was washing vermin from his clothing believed. Pearson the Lamar's man who was credited with the statement that he overheard a Negro remark on the night of the murder that he would get the girl, failed to identify Nelson as the Negro who made the remark. Rumors spread that Nelson had been brought back to Lamar's and that there had been threats of a lynching. But they were unfounded. After questioning, with no evidence to tie him to the crime, Police could no longer hold him. Ed Nelson was free to go. Another black man associated with the circus, a cook named Charles Smith, was also questioned. But again, Pearson said that this was not the man. Alta's father, Chris, thought that the police had it all wrong. Chris Braun requested that state agents from the Bureau of Criminal Investigation become involved in the investigation. He said that he believed the killer was not someone from the circus, but someone local, someone who was familiar with the area and with his daughter's movements. On August 24th, 1917, memorial services were held at the Braun home. While preparing the body for burial, the undertaker, John Bealey, found a man's stick pin in Alta's clothing. 
It was the only physical evidence that Alta's killer left behind. He would never be found. Alta's funeral was conducted by the Reverend J.E. Benz. A large number of people attended, wrote the Lamar's Sentinel. And the casket was covered with floral wreaths from sympathetic townspeople. Alta was buried beside her mother, Lena Davis Braun, in the Riverside Cemetery in Akron. Then, later that year, two days before Christmas, Chris Braun lost his second wife. Mrs. Braun was stricken with paralysis in March of 1916 and had been practically helpless ever since, wrote the Lamar's Sentinel on Christmas Day, 1917. Last summer, she seemed to improve somewhat, but after the tragic death of her stepdaughter, she failed so rapidly that she was removed to the home of her father, where she might be better cared for by relatives. On December 23, 1917, just four months after Alta's murder, 38-year-old Martha Bulkin Braun also died. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Murder Minute.